Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and thank you for joining me. I, uh... Apologize for not doing this live, but uh, apparently something happened. It always seems like sometimes when I really get going, or uh, there's some kind of malfunction of some type, which is a little on the irritating side, but nothing that uh, cannot uh, be handled. Heavenly Father, I just give you thanks for this day, and I just thank you, dear Lord, for all that you continue to do and the blessings that you continue to bestow upon all of us, those that believe and even those that do not. And Lord, I just pray for everybody along the eastern coast, especially down there in Florida, as um, this terrible hurricane is headed our way. And Lord, I just pray that... Um, I just actually, Lord, I would just like for it to be gone, Whew, gone. But um, you know, whatever happens, Lord, I just pray that you just have people be wise and and be careful. And um, that loss of lives is none, and and property damage be minimal. Maybe this thing will turn around and head that out to sea, but whatever, Lord, it's it's in your hands, and I just pray for our nation, dear Lord, for we deeply need you in this time of darkness, and I just give you praise and all that you continue to do each and every day in my life, in my children's life, in my family's life, dear Lord, and I thank you. Okay, so today is the uh, fifth day of October, we're just moving right along. Soon we'll be the, at the end of this year. Well, I found a story. Um, I get a, a magazine called The Voice of Martyrs, and this story touched me, and I wish to share it with you. Hanel's story. Hanel had expected the Taliban attack in Kabul that day. She and other doctors from her clinic had even been put on standby at a UN meeting in case of attack. Nothing, however, had prepared her for the Taliban's actual target. As Hanel headed home through Cabal's traffic choke streets on November the 20th, 2014, her driver received a phone call. She could tell from his expression and the way he was talking that something was terribly wrong. Finally, he told her there had been an attack on the building where her family lived and worked. As they approached her street, police and armored vehicles blocked the way, forcing her to get out of and walk the rest of the way to her house. A crowd, a crowd had gathered outside the building, but no one could let her go inside or tell her what was going on. A terrible silence hung in the air, and nothing seemed to move. The usual city noises of traffic horns and barking dogs were strangely absent. 
As darkness approached, Anel noticed that no lights were on in their top floor apartment. She worried and prayed while awaiting news of her family. At 5.45 p.m. the silence was shattered by the sound of gunfire, followed by a large explosion. Onlookers in the street scattered for cover. I believe it was then when one of the three attackers detonated himself in the hallway of the building, Hanel recalled. I started to cry, concerned. Police escorted me away from the scene to a neighbor's house at the corner of the street, two houses from our own house. The sounds and gunfire and more explosions continued for the next hour. Eventually, Afghan police fired a rocket-propelled grenade, an RPG, at the top floor of the compound into the apartment where the Gruals lived. The house caught fire and burned until about 7.20 p.m. Hanel sat in the dark and stared at the glow of her smartphone, seeking comfort from God's Word on her Bible app between text and calls from concerned ones. I was reading Psalms 91 over and over again. I'm believing that my family was doing okay, she said. Somehow I knew from the extent of what I was hearing that maybe no one was alive. But my brain didn't want to accept that. Answering the call. Before moving to Afghanistan in 2003, Hanel and her husband Warren had discussed the possibility of dying in a war-torn country. They considered the dangers of raising their two children, Jean-Pierre, then five, and Rhoda, then three, in a region dominated by the Taliban, knowing their lives would be drastically different from those they had known in South Africa. Yet God's call was just as real as the danger they would face and they knew obedience to him mattered more than fears. Warner and Hanel led comfortable lives in South Africa. Warner served as a senior pastor at a Dutch Reformed church, and Hanel was a doctor in a trauma unit. While seeking to develop a more insightful prayer life for a particular country, Warner visited Pakistan, never intended to one day live and serve abroad. During the 2002 trip, however, he received a clear call to become the hands and feet of Christ in neighboring Afghanistan, which had recently been identified as home to those who planned the September 11th of 2001 attacks on the United States. After returning to South Africa and sharing his experience with Anel, he suggested they travel to Afghanistan with a short-term medical outreach team. Six months later, they visited Pakistan and Afghanistan for two weeks. In Peshawar, Pakistan, in a house church meeting on a Sunday morning, we had exactly the same experience, Anel recalled, of her first short-term outreach trip. We felt the touch of the Holy Spirit. It was the first time in my life I experienced this specific touch from the Lord in this way. I just started crying and knew that Afghanistan and Pakistan, wherever in the world the Lord calls you,
can be your home. The couple spent the last week of their trip in Cabal, serving as a mobile medical clinics and working in a few nearby villages. Hanel vividly recalls her first impression of the city. After 25 years of war, few buildings remained standing. Roads were particularly non-existent, and the entire infrastructure had crumbled. I remember that when I came back, I thought, this country is filthy and poor and ugly. There is really nothing beautiful in this country except the desert and the mountains and the valleys, she said. Although aware of the dangers of life in Afghanistan, Hanel said she and Warner trusted in God and viewed their move as an adventure. The most difficult thing for me to decide at that stage was because of the children, she said. You have a vision of them and you want to help them to get a proper education and I knew that source wasn't in Afghanistan. For me, it was a difficult choice to say yes to the Lord for their schooling. We knew there were going to be a lot of challenges along the way. In April 2003, they returned to Afghanistan to find a place to live, an aid organization to work with, and options for their children. Four months later, they left their friends and family in South Africa behind and moved to Afghanistan. My parents and our family thought we were totally crazy to leave a country like South Africa to go to Afghanistan, Hanel recalled. It was their belief that the Lord won't ever call a family with two small children to go and serve in this region. They really tried to keep us in South Africa. Still, the certainty of their call sustained them throughout the move. Their church supported their decision, and the Grunwalds saw God providing for them. The Lord was so faithful, Hanel said. We raised the money that we needed within two months, everything that we needed to support us on the field. That was just confirmation from the Lord that he wanted us there. Hanel was also developing a deeper relationship with God. My spiritual journey with God actually started after our calling to Afghanistan, she said. Before going to Afghanistan, I was more secular-orientated, a nominal Christian. I knew about the Lord Jesus. We always attended church on Sunday mornings. We lived our lives as Christians, but that was where it ended. A challenging life. Afghanistan was a culture shock for the Gruwals. They found it difficult to connect with people and felt they were being constantly watched by suspicious Afghans. And all the challenges we faced, especially for me, trying to integrate my children in a place where there was no resources, I had to trust the Lord, Hanel said. I didn't understand many things in my life, so many times we ask God, Lord, are we living in the right place? Is this really where you want us? Life was especially hard for their daughter Rhoda. Young girls in Afghanistan are largely homebound with little freedom to move around. 
Hanel therefore did her best to make life bearable for Rudy. She and her daughter did everything together, from cooking to homework, and Hanel saw Rudy develop into a gifted writer who seemed to enjoy anything art-related. Jean-Pierre described Hanel as a soft bear, a big boy with a soft heart, always wanted to be a pilot. He practiced with an online flight simulator and befriended pilots with other aid groups of Afghanistan, often joining them on domestic flights. He dreamed of one day studying aviation technology at Moody Bible Institute in Washington State. Warner remained diligent in the work he felt called to do in Afghanistan. Over the years, he served with various humanitarian organizations, providing leadership training, community development, education, and English language courses. When Warner received his calling, the Lord showed him how his training as a reverend in a church would be precious in teaching Afghans about the ways of the Lord. Hanel said, just for him to be soft and light. And that is what he tried to do. Even in the leadership training seminars he gave, we always tried to sow seeds of truth and the word into Afghans' lives. Fearless service to Christ became a theme for Werner, and something he spoke of often in October of 2014. Warner spoke at a conference on the subject of counting the cost for Christ. He ended by saying, We die only once. It might as well be for Christ. While Warner thrived in his work, God showed Anel that she couldn't put her career first. Although she served at a Cure International Hospital of Cabal and in the local medical clinics, she had left behind a successful career in trauma medicine in South Africa. In Afghan, I learned to change my priorities, firstly to God, then my husband, then my children, and then myself in my ministry and my career, she said. My main focus in Afghanistan was to support my husband and to be God's hands and feet to the Afghan people, and also to shine my light and be salt. Life with a few thousand Christians in Afghanistan is very difficult. There are no church buildings, so it is nearly impossible for them to meet, worship, and pray openly. Afghans who come to know Christ often keep their decision a secret and live in fear of their Muslim families finding out by law anyone who leaves Islam can be put to death. More mature believers, Hanel said, will share the gospel, but doing so is extremely dangerous. They have encountered, they have counted the cost, she said. Afghanistan is a dangerous country. We had to count the cost before going to Afghanistan with our small children. We knew that anything could happen, and Afghan believers there also know that anything can happen. They can be imprisoned, killed, or beheaded. You have to come to terms with that before you go to a country like that. Dying for Jesus. John Pierre and Rhoda slept late that day, 
of the attack. John Pierre spent the day in his room listening to music, playing guitar, and chatting with friends on social media. He had planned to visit a friend at 3.30 p.m. about the time of the attack. Rhoda spent the morning crocheting, working on her computer, and playing video games. Warner arrived at his office at 8 a.m. to prepare for leadership training classes. He was teaching at 10 a.m. and at 3 p.m. he was teaching that afternoon class when the Taliban fighters stormed the building. At about 3.30 p.m. a neighbor saw three men walking to the front of the Goro's house, one wearing a black officer's uniform. One, men, one of the men then climbed onto the other two men's shoulders so he could jump over the wall. Once inside, he opened the gate to let the others in. The gate guard immediately confronted the men, but they shot him to death with a pistol. When Warner heard the gunshots, he ordered the Afghan students in the class to take shelter in Anel's consulting room next door. After the others had left the conference room, Warner and two Afghan men tried to escape up the stairs. Halfway up, however, they encountered the attackers at the side door that led to the back of the building, so they turned to run back downstairs. Lord, please help us, Warner said, before being shot twice in the leg and once in the abdomen. He lost conscious and bled to death within minutes. The bodies of John Pierre, 17, and Rhoda, 15, were found in the Grewal's upstairs apartment in John Pierre's room. Both had been shot to the death with an AK-47. Two Afghan Christians survived the attack by hiding in the conference room, but one of the men suffered a flesh wound to the leg when the attackers fired blindly into the room with an AK-47. Six other Afghans had hidden in the council in the consulting room. They tried to barricade the entrance and one was killed as the attackers fired through the door. Some of the students who survived the attack said they heard a Taliban fighter. We killed them all, meaning the Gruwals. After one of the attackers detonated a bomb killing himself and surviving, the surviving Afghans remained in place until the police had killed the last two Taliban fighters at about 7.30 p.m. Twenty minutes later, two co-workers tearfully broke the news to know that her family had been killed. She sat still, unable to comprehend the news. Sleep evaded me that night, Anel recalled. I felt totally overwhelmed and so terribly alone. I just couldn't cry. I wished so much that I could do something to help lift the heaviness, but nothing. Still raw, still worth it. Nearly two years after the attack, and I will tell you, it was well with my soul, although it hasn't been easy for her to find this peace she knows God has been with her through everything. Her one regret, she said, isn't that the, she survived, but that she wasn't with the family when they died. 
I wanted to be there, especially with the children, just to embrace them and hold them and face the bullets, she said. She's certain, however, that Christ was with them. Following the attack, she found evidence of God's work. The fire that burned their apartment stopped abruptly in front of Jean-Pierre's room, preventing it from burning her children's bodies, who now also felt God's guidance as she worked through her grief and was able to forgive the attackers. In the months following the attack, Hanel looked for opportunities to serve elsewhere in the world, but each time God closed the door. For now, she has decided to stay in South Africa, where she uses her medical background to care for the less privileged. She continues, continues to share her testimony with anyone who will listen, speaking about six times a month in South Africa and elsewhere. Looking back on her family's years in Afghanistan, she said it was worth it. She couldn't change a thing. I don't think that we will even know 100% what the impact is of what we made in Afghanistan through the years, she said. I think that we will know that one day, though, when we are in the front of the Lord. But I believe that we made an impact on people's lives. I believe also that my family's blood that was shed is like the seed for the Afghan church, and that there will be a thousandfold harvest in the end, because I believe God has the last move. Hanel said she is proud of her family's obedience to Christ. She knows their sacrifice and service was for God's glory. It is easy for us Christians to worship the Lord on Sundays in church and praise Him, but it's difficult to have a heartfelt obedience to the Lord and go when He calls you, she said. I believe there is a price tag attached to being real born-again believer. Jesus Christ was persecuted Himself. He was crucified and we, his students, we are nothing better than he is or he was. It will happen to us as well. If you really live a lifestyle that is like that of a born-again believer following the Lord in obedience, there will be a price to pay. She said the prosperity gospel often taught in the West is not something she experienced in Afghanistan. For me, on the field, it was a life of sacrifice, difficulty, and struggles, and that the Lord gave us the reward of his presence, she said. He revealed himself to us, who he is. Hanel said she is often asked if she is ever angry with God for the deaths of her family members, and her answer is never. We had a clear calling, she said. We had a mandate. With this, we counted the cost. We knew that something like this could happen. God allowed that for a reason. I know that they are actually chasing me on to the finish, the race as well, to finish well, she continued. I believe one day Jean-Pierre will say, Mom, what took you so long to get here? I believe they are where they're supposed to be on Jesus' lap, and I can't wait to be there as well. But I have to finish this race for the Lord.
uh, it touched me and um, I left a in the uh, uh, instructions or, or whatever I just go there and, 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 and just you can see a video of her and her testimony here and, and uh, this is the voice of the martyrs and you know support them uh, the international uh, day of prayer for persecuted Christians is coming up uh, here real shortly so plan on being a participant uh, and praying for those that are persecuted unlike us who sit in in our nice homes and and go to nice churches and uh, enjoy uh, an easy lifestyle believing in Christ but there will come a day when we will need to account for our faith are you ready I pray that I'll be ready I pray that you'll be ready also because um, it's just you know you don't need to be a blind man to see what's going on um, you don't need to be blind to see what's going on there's a lot happening and um, if you believe you know, you'll need to stand up and say, I believe, I believe that Jesus died upon a cross for me, my sins. I believe that he is salvation, that he came so that I may live. I believe it is my, my duty as a believer to share his story. God loves you. All he wants for you to do is come to him. You know, just come home. Just come home. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, just bless the years that hear this program. May they go and, and search out and become a part of helping, of praying of reaching out and telling others of your goodness. May you deposit a truth within them as you have me. We're here for a purpose. And the purpose is to love and to share your love and tell others of your love. I just give you all the thanks in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining me, and um, I'll see you uh, next time. Be blessed. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.